think that's it. You guys ready to get in the Word? <laughs> yeah. Uh, are you guys ready to get in the Word? Cool. Hey, cool. That's real cool, guys. Um, go ahead and open to Ephesians chapter 2. If you don't know where Ephesians is, if you go to the New Testament, which is about two-thirds into your Bible, you'll have like Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You have the four Gospels. And then you get into a couple of chapters, and right in the middle of that is Ephesians. It's a smaller book. Ephesians was actually a letter written by a guy named Paul that many of you guys already know about. Wrote a letter to a church in a place called Ephesus. And he talked a lot about what church was. And if you weren't with us last week, we began a brand new series that we're going to continue throughout the rest of the fall. That's talking about Jesus taking on flesh for us. Um, And in the same way, we take on flesh like Jesus and we get to be like Christ. And when you look at Jesus and the way that he hears God in heaven for our own sake became human and he was fully God, but he was fully human to save us. He came to the world to be present to us. He came to the world so that he could relate to us in a way that we could understand. And ultimately, Jesus came to the world so that he could lead us to the Father through him to be saved of our sins in this present life and in the life that's to come, eternal life. And in the same way that Jesus stepped out of heaven into our world, everybody say our world. So we are called in the same way to step into this world and to be like Jesus. And we are equipped in that way as well. Amen. And you know, I think that we even looked at these terms on Tuesday, if you were with us, Christ's ambassadors that were this representative of Christ on his behalf in a foreign land, that our citizenship is in heaven, that we're that we're a people of heaven, but we're here on this earth. In the same way, there was a term even used, God's co-workers. Did you know that you work with God for his kingdom to bring people to know him, to lead people to Jesus? That's how much he respects you, and that's how much he loves you. And you know, I think that's important to look at how that ever actually works. Everybody say how. Because when you hear that term, I'm going to be like Jesus... That can mean a whole lot of different things and a whole lot of different interpretations because one person might say, well, I'm being like Jesus in this way because I want to be, amen? You know, like, oh, I want to be like Jesus this way. Did you know that some people in their attempt to be like Jesus end up being the complete opposite? That they're not like Jesus at all? Some people are. But there's definitive things that separate those from who are truly being like Jesus to those who aren't. And it starts with looking at the how God created us to be like Jesus. It's looking how God created each and every one of us. Think of it this way. How many of you guys like to race stuff? How many of you are like racers? How many of you guys like cars in the room? Bikes? Ponies? I don't know. But if you think about, think about cars for a minute. Imagine trying to be one of the fastest drivers in the world and not knowing a thing about cars. Do you think that might be a little bit of a problem? Imagine trying to be the fastest runner in the world, but not knowing anything about the human body or about muscles or anything like that. If you want to do something well, you have to be a student and understand how the technique works. So in the same way, you want to be like Jesus? That means you got to understand the way that God created you and how he wants to use you. Amen? 
We're going to look at a scripture this morning that talks about that, where Paul is actually talking about what salvation is. And by that big word salvation, it means being saved. This is what being saved in Jesus looks like. So look at chapter 2, verse 8 with me. And this is what it says. He says, For it is by grace. Can everybody say grace? You have been saved through faith. Now this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no person may boast. And then he says, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Can we all say amen to God's word? Says that you're saved by the grace of God through faith. You have this trust within you that you trust, I am saved by God's grace over me. And it says you're not saved by works, you're not saved by your own behavior. Because by that way, you could never be saved. You could never be perfect enough to forgive yourselves and enter eternal life the way that God forgives you can. But then it says something interesting here. It says, you're God's handiwork. You were created in Christ Jesus to do good works. And it says not only that, it's not like you were created right on the spot to do something. How many of you have ever been in class and like you've procrastinated or they gave you an assignment and you just had to make it up on the fly? You know, like, time for your presentation, and you're like, presentations today, and you like put it together, and you're like, you, you act like you just made it, and you act like, oh yeah, I know what I'm talking about, but really, there's no preparation, there's nothing in advance put into it. What it says here is that God prepared us in advance to do good works. Being saved and forgiven by God isn't just something that's given to us. It's something that you were actually made for. Did you know that you were actually made to be forgiven by God? Did you know that you were made in such a way to need God? Did you know that you were made in such a way to be like Jesus as well? I think oftentimes, being like Jesus to the world around us can seem like this foreign concept. Like somebody looks at you and says, You know what? I think you're called to be like Jesus. And you're like, No, not me. You know, like, how could I be like Jesus? I'm nothing like him. How many of you have ever thought that? You know what I mean? It's something that oftentimes we go, no. And for whatever reason, we think that's not who we are, or at least what we could be. How could I represent a perfect God and do it in such a way that people could see Jesus within me? But the answer to that is simply... It's bigger than just thinking about what you're capable of in your own life. Am I capable of being Jesus? Can I do the right things? It's bigger than just understanding the things that you're capable of in your own lives. But in fact, it's understanding what you were made for. Everybody say made for. You have to understand the way that you were made in order to understand what you can do in the Lord. You know, what it says in Genesis that when God created the world and that he created you and me and he created humanity, that different from all the other things, he created us in God's image. We are like Christ in the way that we are as humans, in the way that we can relate to one another. We look like Christ by the love that we share and that we can express to other people as well. It's recognizing those deep needs of your own heart. Because here's the truth. God may have made you like him, but he also 
made you to need him as well. I'm going to say that one more time. God made you like him, but God made you to need him. Think about that for one minute. Because the truth of the matter is this. You have this Jesus-sized hole in your heart that nothing in this world can fill except for Jesus as your Lord and Savior. That was intentionally put in you to rely on God in that way. That's not something that just happened along the way, but that's something that was put in you and why sin can be so devastating. I heard it once said that sin is like trying to fulfill the the needs that only Jesus can, but because it falls short, it only hurts you even more. Some people try to fulfill things of this world, whether it's fame and fortune, whether it's people, whether it's unhealthy relationships, to fulfill these deep needs of their heart. That's why Jesus is called living water. That's why Jesus would say, when you drink of this well or you drink of any well of the world around you, you're still going to be thirsty. When you eat of the world around you, you're still going to be hungry no matter how much you indulge yourself. But then Jesus says, I'm the water of life. You drink of me, you'll never go thirsty again. He's saying, you, you put me in that, that gaping hole in your heart, and you'll truly be satisfied in a way that you never have before. The way I, I think it's, it's not just looking the part, but it's recognizing that deep need of our own heart. I would put it this way. Imagine, sorry with the car examples to everyone who doesn't care. I'm not a car person myself, but imagine having a car. How many of you are, tr- want, are ready to drive in this room? Now, how many of you have driven? No, I'm just kidding. Actually, one time I was talking about driving and I was like, none of you guys can drive. And then one of the leaders afterward was like, actually, I drove in junior high. Don't tell my dad. So, ha, 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 ha. True story. So, now imagine this. One of the biggest pains of having a car is getting gas. Amen? Yeah, leaders. Yeah. Now imagine having a car, but imagine that you never knew that it took gas. And so you had this giant vehicle, and the only way that you moved it around was you got behind it and you like pushed it, and someone was like in the front like, yo man, push faster, I'm on the highway. And like, you're going up hills and you kind of coast down hills and things like that. And that's just kind of how it works. You do that for years. You just kind of understand cars are that way. Now imagine one day here comes Jesus with the gas bucket. All right? Now he walks up and he's like, you need to put gas in that car. And then, and then the, you'll do something. There's this little button at the bottom right below the steering wheel that you press. And it makes it go on its own. And you're like, on its own? That's not, that's not possible. A car is meant to be pushed. Imagine thinking like that and going, or imagine this. God says, let me give you gas so you can actually drive the car. And you're like, no, I'm not worthy of gas. God, keep your gas. Because if I was really worthy of God, I could make the car go by myself. Right? But let me ask you something. When God says, you need me, and you need my spirit, For every aspect of your life, what's the difference? Sometimes we go, oh, God, I'm not worthy of your need. And God goes, yes, you are. I made you that way. Did you know that you were made to rely on God in every aspect of your life? If you go back to the beginning of the Bible, 
And you look at the definition of what sin is. You look at Adam and Eve when they took the fruit. They weren't just eating bad, bad food. They were stepping out of reliance on God is what it's defined as. Now, sin can be defined as, you know, falling short, trespassing, messing up. But it's also defined as this. In the Bible, it's defined as this inclination to turn towards evil and not towards God. When you try to be independent of God and say, I don't need you, I can do things my own way, that's sin. That's why we need a Savior so badly. You know what I mean? And ironically, here's the irony of it all. Sometimes when we come to know Jesus, it's like, we're like, all right, Jesus, I accept you as Lord and Savior, and now I'm going to be even more independent because I have to be even better for him. And sometimes the pressure feels like it's even more for us to be better. But what if instead of needing God less, we needed him more? What if the more that we grew closer to God, the more we realized our deep need for him in every aspect of our lives? Whatever the area is, maybe you're here and you're someone that struggles with peace in your life. Maybe it just feels like anxiety. Maybe you struggle with self-worth. Maybe you struggle with contentment in your life with what you have. Maybe you struggle with fear. Maybe you struggle with sin, certain strongholds in your own life, cycles of sin. What's important to understand is that that's the exact reason why Jesus came in the first place. Because you were made to need God. Amen? That's not a fault against you, if anything, that reveals all the more the healthy relationship that you have with God. See, if someone comes in and says, I really need God in this area of my life, we would look at a person like that and say, they're doing just fine because they're pursuing God. But if someone walks in here and says, I don't need God, I'm doing just fine, we would worry about that person, their relationship with God. God doesn't just want to help us in those areas. It's not just about God wanting to help us in our need because he made us in such a way that we need him, which means... God wants to help us, amen? But it's more than just God going, what do you want this time? All right? It's God wanting to be a part of our own lives. Did you know that God just doesn't want to help us every now and then? But actually, what the Word says is that He wants to make His home within us. Think about that for a minute. In John 14, Jesus says, Anyone who loves me will obey my teachings My Father will love them and listen to this. We will come to them and we will make our home with them. That's a powerful word. He doesn't just say, we're just going to hang around. But what he says is, we're going to make home with you and within you. You know that God isn't just about tolerating us, but he actually wants to be a part of us. That in the same way that Jesus came down to earth, He wants to step out of heaven and dwell within you and walk with you in everything that you do. That's how much he loves you. We mentioned that serving event. This is what the equivalent would be like. I've done a lot of those serving events under the Burnside Bridge, and it's pretty fun. But I will say that when I'm done and I go home to my house and I realize that I have things that people don't have, it's kind of nice to know that. It's like, man, I'm, I'm glad I don't have to sleep under the on the streets or out in the cold or wonder where I'm going to get my next meal. But you know what God's like? God would go to a serving event like that and he goes, you know what, I love these people so much, I'm going to sell everything I have so I can just be with them because they need that. 
I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to sell my house, I'm going to get a sleeping bag, and I'm going to join them. That's, that would be love if you saw someone do that, amen? That is a lot of love. But that's what God does when he comes down and dwells within us. He loves us so much in our own lives and in our own messiness and in our own hurts and pains that he's like, you know what, I want to sell the whole thing, and I want to just join you right where you're at. That's how much he loves us. He dwells within us. That's actually one of the things about salvation, if you want to talk about what does it mean, what happens when we get saved, because what the word says is that our spirit within us, because of sin, is dead when we don't know God. It's not just a moral thing. It's not just you're a bad person and now you're less bad. But what it is is this. You were spiritually dead before God. And when you accepted Jesus into your heart, it's like God's spirit came in and made you alive in a way that you never were before. We're physically alive, but when God enters our lives, we're made spiritually alive. And what it says is that our bodies, our physical bodies, are like a temple for God to reside in. In fact, Paul would say that in another letter. He says, don't you know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit? Who is in you? Whom you've received from God? He says, you're not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. That honor God with the life before you because God dwells within you. This is something so much bigger than just being a student of Christianity. You know, like, we're not just like Jesus because we study a lot of Jesus. We're not like other things of this world. You can be a student of a sport. You can be a, a student of a certain subject in school. Probably not, but, you know, you could. But this is bigger than just knowing information or just being really talented at something. It's this. God literally dwells within you when you know him. That's what makes us different from anything else in this world. That's what makes us a light to the world around us. Did you know that? And recognizing that, that the God of the universe lives within you when you accept him as Lord and Savior. Now, it's funny because I don't know about you, but when I hear that, I would oftentimes think I'm like, all right, well, if the God of the universe dwells within me, why don't I like glow? You know, like, or why isn't he way more on display? Because all I see is me. Amen? How many of you are like, all right, well, if God, if the God of the universe that created everything around us lives within me, why am I not like, wherever I go? I mean, some of you are, but not me. So, and it's because of this. God dwells within us. But it's up to us to learn how to let him be seen in our lives. I want to show you guys a quick example. This is a candle. And not just any candle, an apple cinnamon candle at that. Yeah, let's give it up for the candle, everyone. Oops. <laughs> now, many of you know this example where Jesus himself would say, you're a light of the world. That when God exists within you, it's like this candle that's lit before you that in your lives, that there's this, this thing that dwells. The candle's not trying to show it off. It's just evident in its own life. 
And in the same way, when the Spirit dwells within us, it's the same way that it's just on display for those who show us. Now, when I said that, but it's up to us to allow him to be seen, this is how I would describe it. This is our lives sometimes, all right? This is pride. This is impatience. This is selfishness. And when we make these decisions where we go, well, I don't want to trust God with stuff, or I want to do things my own way, it in a way just kind of covers it. And so here is this light that can be seen from miles away. Did you know that you can see candles from miles away if it's total darkness? This thing that you could see from miles away all of a sudden just gets a little bit in the way. And all of a sudden, this one thing is no longer seen. And I would just say that that's, that's kind of our lives, and this is part of the process of growing with God. This is part of the process of growing even more with God in our own lives. Because I got plenty of things in my lives that are covering my witness and covering the Spirit within me. And in fact, what the Word says is you want to fan and flame the gift of God within you. That you want to continue to bring this about. I was saved when I was in fourth grade, guys. <laughs> but it took a long, long time to realize that the Spirit of God was within me. And you don't have to take a long time in your lives to realize that the Spirit of God resides within you. But at the same time, you get to make decisions in your own life that reveal the Lord. I'm going to blow this out. Man, it smells good. But I want you to think about this. What are those things in your lives that can either get in the way or, in, or allow God to be seen? You know what I would say? If I had to sum up being like Jesus in one sentence, it's this. Being like Jesus is learning how to get out of his, get out of his way. Being like Jesus is learning how to step out of the way and let Jesus lead. There's a story in the Bible. Many of you guys have probably heard this. I think it's kind of interesting to say the least, you know when Jesus was betrayed by one of his disciples to be arrested and ultimately crucified? Jesus foretold that. Prophecies foretold that. And so here's Jesus being arrested, and he's about to head to the cross. And Peter, one of his disciples, not listening to Jesus, is like, No! And he takes out a sword, and he cuts off the ear of one of the people that are arresting Jesus. And so it's like, Ew. You know? But let me ask you something. And then Jesus goes, stop. And he literally, Jesus picks up the ear, puts it back on him and heals him in that moment. Now, <laughs> everyone's like, oh my gosh. <laughs> but let me ask you something. I think that's so funny because here is Jesus with this perfect will and this beautiful story of going to the cross. And Peter's like, no. And does his own thing. And Jesus is like, what are you doing? Okay. Yeah, there's a way. Okay. But how often in our lives, when God wants to do something beautiful through us and in us, are we like, no. And we do our own thing. Let me ask you something. What if it was God's will to show Jesus by the forgiveness you got to show other people? When you get mad and when you don't forgive people, when you hold grudges... It's as good as blocking your witness. You know that? But when you forgive, and when you surrender, it's like the light gets put more on display. I want to show a slide of someone up here. This lady is named 
Mary Johnson, and she had a, a son, Laramoim was his name, and when Larry was, you know, a teenager, he was actually murdered in gang violence, and so this mom was brought to this place of having to learn how to deal with the grief. She had lost her son, and so she was brought to this place of, what am I going to do with that? She was a believer. She had to wrestle with the fact of if in this world of losing her own son, but she knew in her heart that God had called her to forgive him, and that God had not only done that, God dwelled within her and gave her the strength to forgive that man. That man's name is O'Shea, and so she actually went to prison and just said, you're, you're in prison because you killed my son, but I want you to know that I forgive you and that I love you. And what began to happen was this new relationship because what she found out was that O'Shea was raised up in gangs, didn't have any family, didn't know any better, didn't have the same resources as many of us have, had to grow up on the streets. And so his murder and his actions were something more done out of fear. And so what this woman decided to do was adopt him in a sense and to begin to love him. And that's actually O'Shea. That's not the son. That's the one who murdered her son. And today they have a mother-son relationship. And actually, it's a beautiful thing and a beautiful evidence of God in this world. They go to places, they go to churches, and together they witness what forgiveness of God really is like. So let me tell you something. That's a light on display to the rest of the world. You can't prepare for things like that in the world. And you can't prepare for all the things that happen. But what you can do is listen to the Holy Spirit and allow Him to be on display. Because if Mary had decided that I'm not going to forgive him, I'm going to hate him for the rest of my life, I'm going to slander him, and I'm going to slander God at every turn I get for what he did, that would be covering the light. And that wouldn't be recognizing the need for Jesus. But instead, she recognized her own need, but also recognized the need to forgive. And it's through that, that this beautiful witness to all of us that Jesus is on display. When we grow in trusting God, he becomes more on display in our lives. I'm going to say that one more time so you can write it down. When we grow in trusting God, he becomes more on display in our lives. When you surrender things to Jesus, even in your weakest moments, you give testimony to God and his goodness around you. I'm going to call the worship team back up. I want, to, I want you guys to think about this for a minute. What are the things that you need to surrender in your life to God? What are the things that you need to give to the Lord right now? We talk about being like Jesus, and rightfully so you are, but being like Jesus is recognizing the need for Jesus in your own life first and foremost. We all need Jesus whether we realize it or not. We all have that Jesus-sized kind of gaping hole in our hearts that only he can fulfill. We all need to learn how to trust Jesus in different ways in our lives. And so I'm going to ask you guys to put your Bibles away. I'm going to ask you to put your phones away. And I want you to bow your heads with me. Just right where you're at. I think first and foremost, it's recognizing that deep need. Maybe you're someone in your life where you're like, I'm great with trusting God with this area of my life. I'm great with trusting him with my school. 
but I'm not good at trusting him with my parents. And you got to make that decision that you need God in this area. Maybe you're just in denial about something in your life. Maybe you're struggling with sin and don't know what to do. Maybe you're struggling with shame over yourself and you don't know what to do. And this morning, you just get to acknowledge, Jesus, I need you. Maybe you're someone that actually thinks needing Jesus is a bad thing when really it's a very, very good thing. There's no greater place to be than needing Jesus. And if that's you this morning, I want to pray with you. I just want you to acknowledge that right where you're at with eyes closed. Maybe you're here and you've never committed your life to Jesus because you didn't know why. Maybe you've had that Jesus-sized hole in your heart. Maybe you don't feel forgiven of your sin or you haven't been. And this morning you want to say yes to Jesus as your Lord and Savior. I want to be like Christ, but I want Christ to dwell within me. I want him to make his home within me. If that's you, I want to pray with you right now. Jesus, we need you. God, we can't live without you. Lord, we surrender our life to you. God, we want you to make your home within us. And God, we want you to be on full display in our lives. We want to trust you with all of our hearts. And through that trust, we want you to be seen and you to get all the glory and for you to be a testimony of our own lives. Lord, we pray that when people would look at us, that they wouldn't see how good we are, but Lord, they would see how good you are to us. And we know that starts with us trusting you, and that's what we choose to do right now. And it's in the mighty name of Jesus we pray. Amen. I want you guys to stand together, and we're going to finish.